please turn to uh, Zephaniah chapter 2. Uh, we'll read the chapter, and uh, uh, my intention is to complete chapter 2 today and uh, complete the prophecy uh, next week, and then move on to uh, Haggai. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 2. Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. For Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Cherethites! The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, shall be pastures with meadows for shepherds, and folds for flocks. The seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze. And in the houses of Ashkelon they shall lie down at evening, for the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Moses sh Moab shall become like Sodom and the Amorites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down each in its place all the nations. You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by the sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like a desert. Herds shall lie down in her midst, all kinds of beasts, even the owl and the hedgehog shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window, devastation will be on the threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exultant city that lived securely, that said in her heart, I am, and there is no one else. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. So we come to um, the fourth oracle uh, in chapter 2. It's a call to repentance in light of the coming judgment. And uh, the outline of chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4, calls uh, uh, Judah, it actually calls the humble uh, to repent. And then verse 4 is about the Philistine cities. Uh, verses 5 through 7 is against uh, Philistia itself, the sea coast. Uh, verses 8 through 11 uh, are a uh, judgment against Moab. Verse 12, Ethiopia. And then uh, 
uh, Assyria and Nineveh, the north, are condemned in verses 13 through 15. So we'll study in some detail, but verses 5 through 15, uh, that will maybe only take us five or ten minutes because all those nations we've seen before, how God is going to judge them. So this call to Judah to repent found in verses 1 through 3 has a characteristic of uh, multiple repetition. Uh, notice that in verse 1, it uses the word gather two times. And then the word before is found three times. The, the English Standard Version supplies it in verse uh, uh, 2. Let me look and make sure. Yes, in verse 2. Uh, before the day passes away like chaff, other versions leave that out. It's, uh, it's just uh, inserted there to, to, to uh, emphasize, gather, gather, before this happens, before that happens. But otherwise, there are three of those. Then there's three references to the anger of the Lord, either the burning anger of the Lord or the day of the anger of the Lord in verses 2 and 3. And then also, there's three commands to seek, and they are found in Verse 3, the repetition emphasizes the earnestness uh, of Yahweh's commands, but also of the coming judgment. And so first we'll look at the command to gather. It says gather, yes, gather, or gather, indeed, uh, gather. And the, the word is used in different places to gather straw, like the uh, Israelites did in Exodus chapter 5, uh, Numbers 15, the Somebody was told to gather wood, and uh, Elijah meets a woman who's out and gathering sticks. So it just means to gather. Uh, but most likely, it's a physical picture that points to a spiritual uh, gathering or assessment. Uh, sometimes if, if somebody is physically uh, distraught, we would say, get it together. Collect yourself. Would you collect yourself? Gather yourself. It, it seems like it's more uh, in that sense, although when we looked at the prophet Joel, Joel commanded a physical gathering. In Joel chapter 1, he said, Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Here's the same thing. Gather for the purpose of changing, gather for the purpose of uh, repenting. Uh, it's commanded of those certain classes, the elders, etc. Uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. So there is a, a difference uh, that people point out. It could mean that he's saying everybody get together and, and repent because that's the judgment is coming. Uh, but uh, some commentators say it means to gather oneself together. It's applied to that spiritual gathering, which leads to self-examination and is the first condition of conversion. And remember, it's in the backdrop of three times the anger of the Lord or the day of the Lord is, is coming. It's against that backdrop. That those writers point to an individual's responsibility. And we'll see that God addresses the humble of the land. It's interesting what happens in this prophecy. 
that John Trapp uses this self-examination also when he says, it's as if God said, behold, you are in danger of destruction. Is it not therefore high time to search? Yes, to be serious and exact in the scrutiny. And the answer would be yes. Isn't it time to really take a look at, at what you're doing and to be serious and exact, to be precise? He says to gather your dispersed wits together to summon the sobriety of your senses before the bar of your best judgment. He's just calling for self-examination, isn't he? Gather yourself together because the judgment day is coming. Use your best judgment as to the state of your soul and the state that you're in because the anger of the Lord uh, is coming. And he sums up, he says, consider and consult what is fit to be done in this case. And we maybe routinely, maybe not so routinely, but there are times when we do reflect on ourselves, on our belief, our faith, on our struggles, on our sins. Why do I go back to this over and over again? Maybe we do. We pause and we say, I've got to conquer this. I've got to work on this. I need to pray more or do that. And that's what Trapp says. Consult and see what is fit to be done in this case. Uh, another idea in uh, gathering is to look for what is good and usable. And uh, because of the illustration of the chaff, uh, that is a contrast, isn't it? What happens to chaff? It just gets blown away. It disappears. It's not good for anything. But if I'm gathering wood, what kind of wood do I want? I'm going to pick out good wood. I'm going to build a fire. Oh, let's get this wood that's soaked. What kind of straw did the Israelites need? They needed straw that was dry. It was ready to be used to, to build those bricks. The, the woman told Elijah, I'm, I'm just going out to get some sticks to build the last fire. This is the last meal that we have. So there, there is even a selection to gather usable wood or usable straw or usable sticks. So that's another way that we could look at it. Gather, yes, gather. Gather indeed. What do I gather? I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at what do I need to do in light of this uh, uh, address from God. And then uh, Judah is addressed as the shameless nation. There are some other, uh, some other uh, translations, but the, the more modern translations are consistent so the, the, the ESV, the, uh, the uh, LSB, that's a, a, a legacy standard Bible that just came out, the New American Standard, and even the New King James has a footnote about shameless. And that truly is what they were. They were shameless in their sin. They, they, they Remember, it said they were like dregs of wine. They were just thickening down there. They didn't seek God. They didn't inquire after God. Uh, other... Uh, other translations could be uh, an undesirable nation or a nation not desired. And uh, uh, I just don't know if it's my personal thing. I just don't feel that fits. God is exhorting them because he desires them. He, he desires the nation to turn. It's not like he's just saying, oh, you're undesirable. I'm getting rid of you. No, he's saying, come back, come back, come back. Uh, 
Jeremiah 6 and verse 15 speaks of the, the shame, speaks of this climate. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At that time, I will punish them. They shall be overthrown, says Yahweh. And then the verse is repeated exactly in Jeremiah 8, verse 12. And you could think about our generation. You could talk to people about their activity. Sexual sin. Just think of the broad scope of sexual sins in our day. And they will say, I'm not ashamed of that. I don't care. I'll do whatever I want. Jeremiah in chapter 3, verse 3 says, Therefore the showers have been withheld, and the spring rain has not come. Yet you have the forehead of a whore. You refuse to be ashamed. Nobody is going to tell me what to do. You are not going to reach me with that old-fashioned Bible baloney. You are not going to touch my heart with your exhortations, with all your fire and brimstone. You can't do it. That's the picture. It's brazen. I didn't look up the forehead of a whore, but I would imagine that whatever decorations or whatever showy things they had, it just you just knew, oh, that person is is what they are because of the way that they dress just like, uh, just like today. They refused uh, to be ashamed. They were a shameless nation. And then we see in verse 2 uh, this impending deadline. And there's four time markers, you might say, uh, before the decree takes effect. It's, it's actually a birth image before the decree is born. Uh, uh, I have a birthday coming up, June 20th, 1952. That, that day was the first day. God says you need to repent. You need to gather together before the birthday of my wrath, before the birthday of my decree. I'm talking to the boys just the other day. Yeah, it's only 20-something days. That's what we've seen. God is saying the day of the Lord's day, the Lord's coming, the day of the Lord's coming. And the people might ask, well, when is it? Don't worry about that. You need to turn before that day takes effect. And then uh, before, this is where the ESV supplies the before. But the idea is before the day passes away like chaff. How quickly is God's judgment going to pass. It's going to pass just like chaff passes. It's going to come, be swept away, and gone. And all the pictures that we've seen already show us that that's true. It's going to happen, and then there's going to be nothing left. Later on, we'll look. There's going to be nothing left of Philistia. There's going to be nothing left of Moab, and there's going to be nothing left of Assyria and Nineveh. Then he says, thirdly, before there comes upon you the burning anger of Yahweh. Before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. It's part of that repetition. Gather together. Before this happens, before that happens, before this happens, before that happens. The end of verse 3, it says, in the day of Yahweh's anger. Yahweh controls the time. 
He made the decree, and the decree will take effect in a certain day. The day passes away like chaff. Chapter 1, verse 14 told us that it's the great day of Yahweh. It's near and hastening fast. That's the picture. You do all your winnowing. You do all your separating of the wheat and the chaff. And then a breeze comes and it's gone. Job says, like chaff, that the storm drives away. Uh, the wicked are like chaff, that the wind drives away. Psalm 1, verse 4. Uh, scatter you like chaff, Jeremiah 13, uh, 24. And John the Baptist preaches, he, he, he asked them, who, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? But he says, the chaff is going to be burned in unquenchable fire. That was his message to those that, that came around. He asked them that pointed question. They came to snoop. They came to find out. They came to accuse. They didn't come to believe. And he says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Right? And they would have to say, oh, we didn't come for that. We didn't come to repent. Many in our day would do the same thing. Oh, I didn't come here to repent and hear all this serious stuff. The day and those who do not gather and show no shame will quickly pass away. The day and everything that has to do with that day. It's the repeated focus on Yahweh's anger, as we saw it already built up in chapter 1. They are indicted as a remnant of Baal. God says he's going to punish the idolatrous, idolatrous priests, those who bow down on roofs. Remember, they had shrines on the top of their house. Those household gods we hear about. They swore by two gods. They swore by Yahweh and Milcom. We saw that syncretism. And then they did three things. They turned back. They didn't seek the Lord. And they didn't inquire of him. So uh, this anger is described as the burning anger or fierce anger. Uh, one writer says it will come as a mighty torrent of fire. And uh, I'm used to water coming in a torrent. Sometimes when it rains here, you say, well, it's, a, it's a torrent of rain. Uh, but here the one writer says, it's a torrent uh, of fire. Uh, Trapp says, abused mercy turns into fury. Abused mercy turns into fury. Neither will God allow or permit his patient to stand still for sinning stock. And it's an old expression, but it's used of people. So you could have a stock of goods. We're, we're stocked up for the winter. We, we have a lot of stock in my store. We have this. It's all stocked up. Uh, but here, the old thing is a, a stock of people. Neither will God allow his patience to stand still for a sinning stock, a sinning group of people. Change must be made uh, before uh, all, th all these things fall upon the people. And then our, our fourth heading is the three steps to reformation and forgiveness. And uh, it's a, parable, uh, a parallel uh, of the befores. Do this before, before, before. And then he says, here's the commands. Seek Yahweh, seek righteousness, and seek humility. But it goes 
in a sense, it's a surprise because he exhorts the people that he calls all the humble of the land. And we're used to God telling man what he needs to do. Just a, a few characteristic ones. Amos uh, 5.6 says, Seek Yahweh that you may live, etc. Uh, Micah 6.8, just in one other one. Uh, God has shown you, O oh man, what he requires. And it says this is what God requires you to do. But the object of the uh, exhortation is the humble uh, of the land. It's a surprise to those who are already humble. Uh, these are the people that will take it seriously, isn't it? Now, why would he exhort uh, the humble? Well, let's consider five things. Uh, number one, not everybody is an apostate. We have to remember that. Not everybody is an apostate. Maybe, maybe the, the, the narrow door is being entered by those who are in Judah. And there's a broad road that leads to destruction. He's characterized those people on the broad road already. Not all are apostate. Secondly, the humble will follow the exhortations. How long have you been a believer? Well, I've been a believer for 60 years. Well, what are you doing here? Well, why do you need to hear another message? Why do you need to hear something else? Well, because, because I have to maintain my soul. I need to learn more. I need to draw closer to God. Well, the 60 years you haven't learned it? You say, no, you're right. I haven't learned it in 60 years. I haven't learned it since 1973, 1974. I haven't learned it if, if you've only walked with the Lord five or ten years. Why, why are you here? Because I need to hear more. I need to love the Savior more. I need to draw near to God. I need to pray. I need to praise. So not only not all are apostate, but the humble will seek to follow the exhortations. And thirdly, he could be uh, exhorting the humble because then others can be stirred up. If you're in a wishy-washy state in your spiritual life, and I come to you and I say, oh, I'm, I'm really humbled by these sins. I, I, I lost my temper and I did this. I don't have patience. My, my prayer life is kind of banged up. You might say, well, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I'd have to admit the same thing as him. So when he exhorts the humble, others may be stirred up. Somebody's in the audience saying, well, who's the humble? Am I humble? If the humble are the ones that are going to be preserved, maybe I should join the humble. Maybe I should be in their company. But, but fourthly, then, it draws the contrast. Here's the humble. Here's everybody else. They're what? They're unrepentant. They said in chapter 1, well, is God really going to do anything? God's not going to do anything. We're not going to, he's not going to do anything. Uh, and, then, and then finally, he lays it out there that a small number will be saved. Revelation 22 and verse 11, Jesus says, 
my recompense is coming. And a recompense is a returned compensation for what you deserve. Oh, I, I worked three hours today. Oh, here's three hours pay. I worked three hours today. Well, here's two, hour, two, two hours pay. Well, no, 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 that's not my recompense. But Jesus says, I'm going to recompense. And then Revelation 22, 11 says, let the evil doer still do evil. And the filthy still be filthy. And the righteous still do right. And the holy still be holy. That's similar to what uh, Zephaniah is getting at, what God's telling him. You wicked, go ahead. Sometimes, sometimes you have to tell unconverted people that. Well, okay, just live your life. Judgment Day is going to find you living in all your filth. But what would you tell the righteous? Are you righteous? Are you pursuing faithfulness and godliness? Keep doing it. Are you pursuing holiness? Let the holy still be holy. Keep it up. That's the idea. Notice their actions in the next. They, they carry out God's judgment or they do his just commands. They, they work his justice. These humble people are actively living the right way. They're humble and they're doing what God commands. They're, they're different than anybody else in this climate, in this, these oracles. They're humble people who are actively carrying out God's commands. The day of the Lord is coming. And the day of the Lord came in, in uh, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus comes and some people say, Lord, Lord, what did they do? They prophesied, they cast out demons, and they do many works. And each time they say, in your name. And he says, I never knew who you were. Now, now, is there any time that you ever read that and you didn't say, Lord, please help me not to be one of those people? I'm going to come to Judgment Day thinking that I did things and God's going to say, I never knew who you were. We, you and I are not connected. You're not connected to me. You're not connected to the Savior. You, we have no devotional response, no, no love, nothing. Lord, help me not to be like that. But you, but you see, you see the pressure. Help me not to be like that. What is the answer to the prayer? Well, I don't know. God's sovereign. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit here and do nothing and see if He comes and answers the prayer. That's not right. What would you do? You would do these three things. You would seek the Lord. You would seek humility and you would seek righteousness. There, there evidently with these people is a lack of humility, isn't there? Look at all the stuff we did. In your name. In your name. That takes it to the next level. Egyptian magicians did like the first two or three miracles that Moses and Aaron showed them. There's no big deal about miracles. But the righteous will be stirred up. I don't want to be like that. Here's the humble. 
in Zephaniah's day, and God says, seek the Lord. And the humble says, I will. I'm trying to, Lord, but, but I want to seek you even more. Seek righteousness. I'm trying to do that, Lord, but I'm going to try to do it more. Persevere. And then he says, seek humility. The humble to seek more humility. Then there's, a, there's the exhortations we, we just mentioned. He says, seek Yahweh, seek God himself, in contrast to those who didn't seek God or didn't inquire. And, and really, it, it talks about our prayer life. It talks about our calling out to God, our relationship with God. Righteousness. Here is positive walking in all of Yahweh's commands and turning from sin. That's what he says they're doing. Who do his just commands uh, or who carry out his judgment. They're actively doing it. But he says, continue to seek it. Seek to do that. Stay in that pathway. Stay in that course. And then seek humility. Well, get, get more humility. Well, the, the, the flip side of the, the question is, can we ever have enough humility? Well, the answer is no, right? The, the brazen, proud person is, is no good. They're in trouble. Seek humility. So it's additional uh, seeking. And then, and then God's sovereign... Uh, Maybe, uh, in, in verse, the end of verse 3, perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. It's not guaranteed. But you must be in and demonstrate those positive characteristics when the day of the Lord comes. Can't be like the people that we just talked about. Oh God, don't you know? I prophesied, I did this, I did that. Can't be like that. Perhaps you'll be hidden on the day of the Lord. Uh, God's sovereign, but we don't. Well, I'm not going to get too serious about this. Maybe I'll be hidden. Well, maybe you won't. Maybe the fire of God's anger will be pressing on you more and peter uses the peter uses the language himself when he says what kind of trials do we come under fiery trials and he uses the he uses the picture that the fire is going to come and prove what's there prove it to show what it is it will be revealed and that you know that brings us to Think about things. Well, can I withstand this? Can I withstand that? Would, would I be here? But what a motivation to godliness that, that I would be spared. We mentioned this text before, but uh, the, Matthew 3, 7. John the Baptist went right after them. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then he told them, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And they would have to say, well, wait a minute. We're not here to repent. You got, the, you got the wrong, you got it all wrong. 
But it, it's a glory of the, the narrative there it, is that people did come back to John and say, what should I do? What should I do? He said, don't take somebody's clothes. Don't do this. Don't do that. He gave them instruction. Here's how you should live. And, and, that's, and that's what we need to do. The, the sentence still concludes on the day of the anger of the Lord. Recompense is coming. Jesus said recompense is coming. If you live filthy, just keep living filthy. But, but if you're righteous, live righteous. If you're holy, keep being holy. And seek the Lord, seek righteousness, and seek humility. And then he switches another surprise in verse 4 to the Philistines. All of a sudden, the Philistines are being judged. And he mentions their four cities, Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ashdod, and Ekron. And it says they'll be deserted, desolate, driven out, and uprooted. And that's something for the Israelites to think about because all of a sudden he just said, and your enemies are going to get it too. And, and he expands the judgment in their minds. Well, we're going to be judged, but it's going to spread out. Then the fifth oracle is against the Philistines. There's a, there's a definite break there at verse 4. But then the fifth through the seventh verse is an expansion. And there's a repetition of the word coast or sea coast. And, and that's where they were. This ensures complete punishment and destruction. All the enemies will be destroyed as part of this complete judgment. But couched in there is a restoration passage, verse 7. Uh, this will be a possession of the remnant of the house uh, of Jacob. Only a remnant, only a few people will, will end up there. But God will be mindful of them and, and restore their fortunes. We've seen before, it's not some golden age of, of Israel having all these possessions, but uh, the golden age uh, of the gospel. And then uh, three more uh, exhortations. The sixth oracle is against Moab, verses 8 through 11. Uh, Moab's destruction was predicted in a number of places, and it, and it ends up being wiped off uh, the map. We looked at that, I believe, in Amos. There's Moab and all these things, but you come to the time of Christ, there's no Moab left. There's no Moab on the map. Uh, verse 8, they taunted and boasted. And then there's this emphatic statement in verse 9. Therefore, as I live, declares Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel. There's no clearer statement of who's speaking and who's going to take action. And then... There's all the results, uh, their lot, they'll be cast out. Yahweh will be awesome against them. And then it actually expands uh, uh, globally in verse 11. To him shall bow down each in its place all the lands of the nations. Uh, the seventh oracle, one verse, is against uh, the Cushites, or Ethiopia is the most, most common translation. And that just says they'll be judged and then uh, uh, finally, uh, the uh, eighth oracle, verses 13 to 15, is against Assyria and Nineveh and the north. And uh, <clears throat> there's just some highlights there, but very, uh, very characteristic. Uh, he'll make a desolation, uh, dry waste like a desert. 
He uses pictures of hedgehogs and beasts and things. There's no more people around. <coughs> There's no more people around. Just the animals took over the places where there used to be people. We've seen that uh, over and over and over again. And then uh, if we just looked back at Nahum, we would see a verse exactly like verse 15. This is the exultant city that lived securely and said in her heart, I am and there is no one else. That's what Nineveh said. And God just says here, this is what's going to happen. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. I'm going to wipe out all the people, all the people that said we're number one, we're the best city in the world. And uh, uh, he'll even have people who pass by, shake their fist and hiss. They'll say, good. Good, I'm glad it happened to you, Nineveh. So that is the end of Zephaniah uh, chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your mercy, mercy to understand these things. We pray that you would help us to be directed even by this exhortation to the humble of the land and to seek you and to seek righteousness and to seek humility. Help us to see that the backdrop is the coming day of the Lord, which we have studied before, and know that's the last thing that's going to happen. We pray we would prepare in Jesus' name. Amen.